The LA Clippers were in the midst of a must-win game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And with five seconds, the game became irrelevant. What lies ahead for the Clippers' season after an injury that needs no description? Going to talk about it all on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darian Viziri, in my 18th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. And of course, subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more LA sports, NBA, and Clipper content. Also, Locked On Clippers is free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, including YouTube, where I want you to comment. How long do you think Paul George is going to be out? Because at this point, it's just a guessing game. This episode is brought to you by the Ultimate Basketball GM app, or the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM app. It's where you can feel what it's like to be a general manager all in one app. You can make trades, do all that good stuff. But in this episode, I mean, I'm just going to get right to it. I'm going to talk about the game as well and the big picture, but let's just talk. I was, you know, all in on the game. Fourth quarter was a close one. It was about five minutes left. Paul George starting to play really well. And then the season flashed before my eyes, and I'm guessing yours as well. On the rebound, Lou Dort's leg knocks into Paul George's knee. And you see an injury that reminds me of Giannis against the Atlanta Hawks in the 2021 Eastern Conference Finals. If you want to look at the positive outlook, because none of us are doctors, that is what we would think would be the best case scenario it was a you know a major hyperextension but no ligaments were torn and you know inshallah he'll be back in a couple of weeks but it was one of those gruesome ones i think a lot of people including myself were expecting the absolute worst here it comes uh at a time you know 9 games left in the season after this one that it was finally starting to look like the Clippers were healthy, like they were at least starting to play better basketball. And you know, it's it's really funny. I have a really good friend. He's been a Clipper fan for seven years. I unintentionally made him a Clipper fan. And he was talking about the last 10 games and he was like trying to predict our record. And I told him, you know, listen, I would not do that if I were you because first of all, there's load management. We don't know who's going to play and who's not going to play. But I used to do that kind of stuff with Blake Griffin and Chris Paul on the team when I would look at the next 10 games and say we should win this many. And then you know what would always happen when I did that? One of them would get hurt. And it would allow me to never look at past one game. Part of the reason why when you listen to this podcast, I never look ahead past the next game. And sometimes I'll even not even know our next game after the next one, you know, our second to next game is because of this. I don't look. I'm too traumatized from the past of my fandom. Because when a player, when your stars are healthy, I just like to take it all in. And, and you know, in the off days where they're not playing, just, just appreciate the fact that they're healthy. Because the Clippers have had so many injury-prone stars. And I remember telling him literally the day before the injury, the, this Paul George injury, I said, just, just thank God that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are healthy right now. Don't blame me for the jinx. 
Don't blame me for the jinx. But it's just, it's devastating. It's almost like God was listening to me in that moment. I don't know what to say. That injury has nothing to do with load management, has nothing to do with an increased workload or a less workload. It was a freak accident on a basketball court. But that is exactly why throughout this season, and if you listen to my own platform, you've heard me be so critical of load management. Because anytime you step on the court, something like that can happen. And I know that sounds insensitive and and ridiculous to be against load management after somebody got injured. But my point is when when a star is healthy at 80-90% and can go, you got to go because you just never know when an actual injury can happen. And now, well, we're not in the fourth spot. We're not close to the third with the bad season that we've had. And now we don't know what's going to happen. They said that Paul George was on crutches going out of the arena last night on, on Tuesday night. They said that he was nodding his head on the way out. But that could mean anything. There's just no point in speculating right now. But it made the result of the game irrelevant in my eyes. Because without Paul George, this team is not winning a championship. It would have to be like a 2021 Cinderella kind of story again. We'd we'd all get behind the team. Probably see an amazing run from Kawhi Leonard. Absolutely will help when Norman Powell comes back. And Russell Westbrook now can be unleashed a little bit more. Maybe now you'll see more Robert Covington, more Terrence Mann. But there's no real positive way for me to spin this, Clipper Nation. Paul George is integral to everything we do. He was starting to play really good basketball. His defense was fantastic in this game. His offense was starting to come alive in that fourth quarter. He was getting to the basket, had a monster dunk in the first two minutes of the game. I don't even know what to say. All I'll say is we've been here before. It reminds me so much of, you know, in a way, not exactly the same, but that moment I had, I haven't held my breath like that as a Clipper fan in the middle of a game. Believe it or not, even with all the years of Blake Griffin, I never held my breath like that. In 16 years. And if you've been a Clipper fan that long, you know exactly which injury I'm talking about. 16 years where my heart stopped. And you know, I was a, I was much younger back then. As you can see, I'm 24 right now. I was 8 years old when I saw Sean go down with that knee injury. And I did not realize how bad it was. But you know, we saw Chris Paul and Blake Griffin get injured in the same playoff game in Portland. After an injury riddled season for Blake. That was heartbreaking. That was our season flashing before our eyes and coming to an end right there. Proceeded to lose four straight games to a Blazers team that we were far better than. Utah the next year, Blake Griffin hurts his toe against uh, against the Jazz in Utah. Right then and there. Season flashes before your eyes. You can say the same thing about Kawhi against the Jazz, but when that I was at that game, actually. When that injury happened, none of us thought it would be a torn ACL in a million years. So that uh, wasn't necessarily the same. This one, I mean, my heart stopped. That looked just bad. And all I can say is prayers to Paul George. Uh, He's just been so fantastic the last couple of games. And there's just no championship chance without him. Just got to hope for the best. That's really all I can say. Unfortunately, I don't have any positive spin. I'm not a doctor. You know, I did see some, you know, some of those doctors, like sports doctors, like predicting what it could be. And the diagnosis sounded bad. It sounded like, you know, out for the season or whatever. But I'm not going to, you know, take their word as law. We're going to wait till reporters like Law, Murray, <laughs> give us the scoop. But coming up, going to be talking about the game. What went wrong in the Clippers' one-point defeat? What happened on that last possession? And how did Ivica Zubac, Russell Westbrook, the rest of the guys play? 
Ty Lue have a decent game. Going to actually be getting into the game coming up. But before we do that, I got to tell you about the Ultimate Bass Pro Basketball GM app. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball fran- franchise, well, your dream can come true with this game. You can manage every strategic aspect of your franchise, including hiring, coaches, and assistants, making free agency signings, trading players, making draft picks, all that. And it's all in a challenging and realistic gaming world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. I still have to download it. I have been very, very lazy with that. So I can give some of my fellow Locked On hosts the business. Locked On Clippers listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM, start your dynasty today. All right. So this one, a very interesting game. Everybody besides Norman Powell fully healthy for the Clippers. At least that was the case 24 hours ago. But the Clippers had the best five-minute stretch in the beginning of that game that they've had all season. No exaggeration. Brian Seaman also said the same thing. I mean, our activity on defense was insane. SGA got the ball literally taken from him, stripped, cookied, three different times in the first six minutes of the game. Russell Westbrook twice and Kawhi Leonard. And Zubats was dominating on the inside. We were getting to the rim. Westbrook had six points early on. The Clippers were up 18-4. to four. And then when the Thunder called a timeout, everything changed after that timeout. It was almost like they just were like, okay, we're going to actually play defense now. We're actually going to play a little bit of basketball. They tightened up. And, you know, the Thunder, they have a lot of length out there. They got a young team uh, with a lot of athletes. And their defensive uh, intensity and pressure and, and getting over screens, man-to-man defense, was pretty good. I was pretty impressed. And obviously, you know, we're playing these guys again on Thursday. But we haven't seen them since that back-to-back. I don't know if I remember if it was back-to-back games. I think it was. But it was definitely – it was two games – against them in a row in Oklahoma City. It was our fourth and fifth game of the season. If you recall, that was the beginning of my rage this season. And it's funny because everybody was telling me, including the organization, was saying, you know, it's early. We're still working things out. But even before this Paul George injury, Clippers are 38 and 38 34. Now are 38 and 35 through 73 games. I mean, that's no good. I mean, I was right about criticizing them at the time in terms of the lack of seriousness. But Point is, we haven't seen Oklahoma City in a while. And their defense impressed me. And obviously, SGA, one of our former guys that we traded for Paul George, of course, is having the season of his life. He's playing incredible basketball. But the first half, Clippers are doing a really good job. It was the other guys that got him back in the game, honestly. And I think it was because the Clippers just couldn't score. When Russell Westbrook, and again, nine-man rotation, same thing. Terrence Mann, Nico Batum, Eric Gordon, and Mason Plumley. And Russell Westbrook, when he came out of the game, the Clippers really struggled to score to end that first quarter and Kawhi was just cold this was an off game for Kawhi especially in the beginning and we were the Clippers were down by five going into the second quarter I'm sorry going into the second half but one thing that was really frustrating was Terrence Mann's ejection I mean it was completely overshadowed by the whole Paul George situation in the last possession of the game but that was one of the biggest abusals of power I've seen from an official ever because 
Here's the thing. I'm very I used to watch Making the Call with Ronnie Nunn when I was a kid. Ronnie Nunn was an NBA official and I used to watch that show to find out more about officiating and rules. And one thing I know is when you make hand gestures showing frustration in the face of an official, that's a technical foul. That's what Kawhi did and that's why he got the tech. Terrence Mann did the same thing, right? Here's where ha- where it happened. While the official, who by the way, I haven't seen that official much. I don't know if he's a newer one. He probably is because I've been watching the NBA for almost 20 years now and I recognize most of them. After he was given the first tech, Terrence clapped again as the official was removing his hands from the technical foul symbol. Like the sign that they make. If you're watching the visual version of this podcast on YouTube, you can see the sign I'm making. He had his hands like this, like making the T symbol. And then as he was bringing them apart, Terrence Mann clapped again and said like, you know, I was literally about to cuss on the air. Said like a cuss word or something. It didn't seem like anything like calling him names or anything though. It seemed like just expressing frustration and it was the clapping again. And the official deemed that two hand gestures and threw him out right there. Here's my issue. You, after the first hand, first of all, you haven't even finished taking your hands away from the T symbol. You haven't even finished taking your hands away from the T symbol and you're already calling the second technical. You have to allow a player to cool down for a second. At least give him 10 seconds to to give him a chance to do something again. If he's going to keep going, then throw him out. It wasn't even like that. You basically threw him out for one act of frustration and gave him two separate technicals in that five-second span. That's an abusal of power. You need to let him cool down a second. Terrence Mann's not that type of guy. It's not like he's Draymond greening him or Patrick Beverly right in his face. It's, I mean, I've seen so much more stuff go down and not be thrown out. That was deemed as two different gestures when it wasn't even five seconds from him calling that first tech. It was insane. Definitely changed a little bit of the game. And in the second half, though, the Clippers had a good third quarter. And the guy that I was so impressed by in this game, I mean, you could not, I think this was his best defensive game in a Clipper uniform, Russell Westbrook. The way he was fighting over screens against SGA and recovering on, you know, I, I criticized Russ at times dying on screens and being way behind, but the way he was hustling back to recover and stripping SGA at the last second, and you got to give credit to Zubots. He's deterring them. And Zoo was just unbelievable in this game. He was sitting out way too long when he came out though in that second half, but he was five for five. He was, there were like three straight possessions where the Clippers got stops because Ivica Zubats was contesting so well in drop coverage in the pick and roll. But Russell Westbrook's defense, his effort, his intensity, how he was pumping up the crowd, getting to the basket, even hitting his mid-range. I mean, it was unbelievable. Russ had 15 points, eight rebounds, only two assists though, but two steals, only two turnovers, six for 10 from the field. He was 0 for 3 from deep. So again, he can do without one or two of those. Three for five from the line, which also isn't great, but the 60% shooting, he should have played more. He sat out too long in the second half, especially, but his effort defensively, I mean, if he could play that kind of, and we're going to need it now, if he could play that kind of effort defensively, put that kind of effort defensively consistently, he becomes a totally different player. I haven't seen him play that hard defensively in terms of at the point of attack defense in years, since OKC probably. And I watched 
a lot of his Wizards games. I, I watched a lot of his Laker games. At the point of attack, getting over screens, I have not seen him defend like that. It was amazing. I just love his intensity. And Russ is really starting to grow on me in terms of having him on this team. And I know so many Clipper fans are against that. But I love how much heart he has. Like, he was playing so hard. The way he was crashing the offensive glass. And I'm going to be honest, whether this team continues next year with the same squad or not, we need heart. We need guys with, with heart, with personality. You need those in locker rooms to win chips. I don't believe you can win without them. And I think we tried for, for a while. But even if it's not Westbrook, we need somebody like that. Because Kawhi and Paul George, as I said, are too cool for school. If we run it back with them, I don't want to even talk about next season yet. And by the way, that's something I'm not going to do. I'm not going to talk about, you know what we should do if this and that. I'm just going to say something at the end. But anyway, Clippers were going back and forth. Paul George was getting going as well. Um, when Mason Plumley came in, the Clippers went with Plumley hedging the screens. But Mason was doing a really poor job, in my opinion. It's very, very clear now that Ivica Zubats is significantly better than him, Very, especially on the defensive end. If Mason Plum, when you're going to hedge a screen... I know they don't allow you to make the same contact on that as you used to. I, I know that. That's a, that's a point of emphasis that's, that doesn't get talked about in the league anymore. That they don't allow the bigs to really make contact when they're coming up to hedge those screens anymore. But Mason's backing off too much. He's afraid he's going to get the corner turned on him by SGA. But that's the thing. You've got to be able to contain. You've got to get into his body a little bit. If you give SGA three feet of space to get downhill, he can go either way. He's got room to blow by you, to take different angles to get around you. you got to be at least on his hips, so if he, you're forcing him to help defender, or at least he can't just make a pass so easily. But Mason, he was backing off too much. He's not really coming to his body. He was getting the, the corner turned on him, or the pocket pass was wide open because you're not putting space, you're not putting pressure on him to pass. You know what I'm saying? He has all this room to pass or dribble into you. He can do whatever he wants, SGA. And he was starting it going after the Clippers had done a good job keeping him at bay for a while. But... That being said, the Clippers were right there, down by one, and Kawhi Leonard had the worst possession he's had in a Clipper uniform. I could not fathom a decision so idiotic by a player so intelligent in my entire life. Now, let me break this down for you before you start making excuses about Marcus Morris because I've seen way too many apologists and it just tells me that your standard is so low at times. You know, we talk about the talent of players in this era and simultaneously make so many excuses about spacing and all this. Listen, I'm going to keep it really brief if I can. This is just a basketball philosophy thing for me. When you're down by one in a one possession game with the shot clock turned off, you try to go get a shot as quickly as you can. That doesn't mean a bad shot, but you try to look to attack as quickly as you can. Why? Because if you make it, you make it, right? If you miss it, then you have a chance to foul and then get another chance in a one-possession game. Rudy Gay, in the 2012 first-round series against us, waited the entire clock after we came back from 27 down to shoot a contested pull-up, and they had no time after the clock expired. That is not smart basketball. I'm never in agreement with that. In agreement with that, 
You got to go quick. So for Kawhi Leonard to hold on for the last shot, that's when I knew we were screwed. I was screaming at my TV. I was like, what are we doing? Why are we not going fast? Then he's trying to have Marcus Morris Sr. Set a, set a screen for him to get Lou Dort off of him, which, okay, that's fine, right? You want to get the easier matchup. They're not switching on that last position. They didn't switch. So you have two options, Kawhi. Either you can try to turn that corner hard coming off that screen against Lou Dort, or you're passing it to Marcus Morris for a pick-and-pop three. Now, this is the whole LeBron-Kobe debate in terms of your philosophy, in terms of what you want to do in the last possession of a game. I am very pro-no screen because that draws the second defender to your best player often. And that means you're giving it to guys like Marcus Morris for a pick-and-pop three. I don't want the ball in his hands to close a game. I want Kawhi Leonard shooting the last shot. Yes, I would rather have Kawhi Leonard take a contested shot than Marcus Morris take an open one. Yes, yes, yes. Because he's the best player on the team. Ultimately, it falls on his shoulders. It was that's the, Again, it's the, it goes back to the whole Kobe-LeBron philosophy to me. LeBron loves to get the screen, pick-and-pop and do that. But he's also an amazing pick-and-roll player. Kobe was a one-on-one isolation specialist. But I consider Kawhi Leonard, I always say, if he had to compare him to any former player, every superstar, it's, it's, it's Kobe. That's his guy. That's the guy he trained with. That's who Kobe said he saw in his game. You know, and I know that's high praise. And, and I think that may be a thing too. Like, I got to stop doing that. Because the thing about Kawhi is, if you really pay attention, yes, he can stop on a dime when his pull-up going both ways. But oftentimes, he's not going full speed. And secondly, he always usually has his feet set, he's on balance, and he plants his feet and squares before he shoots. You know, oftentimes you'll see him going right, he'll stop, turn and square, I shouldn't say turn, but stop, and then hit him with a little pump fake, square his feet and shoulders, and then shoot. Whereas Paul George at times, he can kind of rise up and contort his body, he has that agility, you know, in the air. You know, Kobe and... Even Kevin, I'd say Kevin Durant and Paul George shoot that kind of shot in a similar way. But what made like guys like Jerry West, and I say Jerry West because I watch a lot of his film that's available, which is not much. But when you got guys like Jerry, MJ, and Kobe, they're so athletic and they have such a they have so much hang time that they were able to stop on a dime either way and contort their body for these awkward leaders fadeaways and stuff. Kawhi's fadeaways usually come when he's in the post, not with a running start. So when he was at the top of the key there, like, have you noticed a lot of times against elite defenders, that's what I always said before the season when it comes to that burst thing. I think when defenders press up a lot against Kawhi, he can turn the corner. But the elite defenders, when he's trying to ISO and dance from beyond the three, he rarely gets the full step and rarely walks into a contested pull. Usually when he catches the ball within 18 feet, he only needs two or three dribbles to get to his spot. This was different. He was bringing the ball up. So in my opinion, moral of the story you don't ask for a screen when you're Kawhi Leonard. And if it didn't work the first time, you don't keep asking for it. That's why the spacing got clogged because he kept asking for a screen. No, 1-4 flat, get out of my way, it's time to work. The fact that he's that scared to go one-on-one against Lou Dort, and yes, I'm using the word scared. I don't care about getting a better matchup. There should be nobody that can guard you. You're Kawhi Leonard. It, I, I couldn't believe he was that frightened. And I'm going to use those, I'm going to exaggerate by saying frightened and scared. Yes, because to me, you should not be uh, ducking smoke from anybody. Anybody. A screed with Marcus Morris setting it to win the game? Nah, man. Especially after the first one didn't work. Now you're making Senior look bad. Nah. He didn't trust his bag there against Lou Dort. Credit Lou Dort. Amazing job. 
But I'm a Clipper fan, and I'm looking at this is locked on Clippers, not locked on OKC. I'm looking at it from our perspective. But anyway, most angry I've ever been at Kawhi since the bubble, but it didn't really matter. Coming up, going to be talking about the big picture. Is the Clippers season over if we don't have Paul George? Can he come back? How do we adjust expectations? Going to be talking about all that coming up. Before we do that, i got to tell you about FanDuel. The tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line at point scores and threes drained. My favorite bets this week, um, I honestly don't know what about the bet on Thursday for the Clippers and the Thunder, but looking at Wednesday's slate of games, I'm going to go with Denver Nuggets money line, safe bet against the Wizards. Um, I would go with the, the Raptors money line against the Pacers because they've been playing really good basketball lately. Massive game between the Warriors and the Mavericks on Wednesday night. Oh, that's a toss-up. I don't really know. And then the Lakers and the Suns, absolutely monumental but it's just crazy how little i care about the standings right now because until we hear about paul george but FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay so don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the nba Okay, going to read the lines in this game. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, the Thunder win at 101-100. Move on to 36-36, and 500 team. Clippers dropped to 38-35. and Now two losses again behind the Phoenix Suns. SGA was probably the best player on the court overall. 31 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists, but also 4 turnovers and 4 fouls. He shot 48% from the field, 12 for 25, so pretty good still. Um, but the Clippers made life tough for him for a while. And then I thought Jalen Williams that I'm sorry, no, it was yeah, Jalen Williams. That guy's good. He's been playing really good basketball, and that was the pick that the Clippers gave the Thunder. Um, but you know, we got Paul George. I'm not complaining. Twenty points, eight rebounds for Jalen Williams on eight for fifteen shooting and two for four from three. Also Josh Giddy, thirteen points, six rebounds, six assists, some beautiful bank shots for him. And then for the Clippers, by the way, we saw Robert Covington check into the game last night when Terrence Mann got ejected, in the, actually in the second half, after Terrence had gotten ejected. And you could just see what's happening with Rocco is he was pressing and looking to shoot every time he touched the ball because he's trying to prove a point. He's trying to show that he's good. Like, he wants to get in the rotation. It's, it's insane. I mean, that whole situation's cooked. But if now that Paul's out, I mean, you'll hopefully see Rocco. I think you will. But one for eight when he came in. But the funny part is I still like what he was doing. He still got some good stops. He got active hands. He got a steal. Like, seven minutes, and he had two points on one for eight shooting. I thought that was hilarious. But... Mason Plumlee, I don't think he played very well, but the one thing he did do well was rebound. He's a really good rebounder, I'll say that. Six points and 12 boards, four of them offensive rebounds, so I really like that. In 21 minutes of play on three for four shooting, so efficient, finishing his layups and stuff like that. EJ had a really quiet game, not a very good game. And Ty Lue played him 28 minutes, more than Russ, more than Zoo. That was really crazy to me, is that he only brought in Russ after PG got hurt. Russ was playing incredible in the third quarter. He was our player of the game at that point for me. And we're putting Eric Gordon in. I get it. You want the spacing. And I get I'm contradicting myself because I always say I'd rather have Eric Gordon closing. But I don't think Eric Gordon should be – the only people that should be guaranteed a closing spot when everyone's healthy are Kawhi and Paul George. The other guys, it's really dependent on what's going on. I think Terrence Mann should also be out there or Nico Batum, like one of those point-of-attack defenders. But then the other two you can choose. And 
it should have been Russ at this point, not uh, Eric. Five points for EJ, two for seven from the field, and one for five from deep. Terrence Mann had eight points on three to five shooting in 11 minutes before he came out. And Nico Batum, one good sign for him is that he was two for four from the field, so at least more efficient. But now that I'm looking at his three-point percentage because that's what's really been struggling of late. He was only one for three, made his first one. It didn't make the others. Five points for him. Marcus Morris, the crazy part is I actually thought he wasn't as bad as other games because he was rebounding. He had an offensive rebound and put back. Uh, seven points, five rebounds, three assists, and also some moments where he held his own defensively. But three for 10, one for six from deep for senior in 30 minutes. It's just no reason he should be playing 30 minutes. I mean, there's no reason why. Even with Paul George getting injured and Terrence Mann ejected, just none. But I rest my case with that one. Ivica Zubats was fantastic, but for whatever reason, you know what happened? Mason Plumley was getting played off the floor in, in that pick and roll, and Ty Lue wanted to go small because the Thunder were going small. But they weren't hitting their threes. That's the reason you go small is to spread the defense out, but they weren't hitting their threes. They were 10 for 37 from deep, and Zubats was 5 for 5, was amazing defensively in drop coverage. You, I thought you should have kept him in. He had 13 points on 5 of 5 shooting in 19 minutes. It's crazy he's only playing 19 minutes. As I said, Zoo always gets underutilized on this team. Uh, and the Clippers also, another reason we lost, total off night from three. Six for 31 from deep. That's only 19%. That's the worst we've shot from three in a long time. But I love how we were getting to the line a little bit more. 12 for 21. But that's terrible. That's a terrible percentage. Paul George 0 for 2 from the foul line? Terrence Mann 1 for 3. Kawhi Leonard 5 for 7? I mean, that's just not good. As a team, they shot 48%, though, the Clippers. They shot much better from the field at OKC, who only shot 42%. But, I mean, that last play had me so frustrated. Only 19 points in the fourth for the Clippers. Um, Paul George, before he subbed out, 18 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, 1 block, 9 for 17 shooting, 0 for 5 from 3, but 9 for 12 from 2. I mean, I thought he was playing really well. And then Kawhi, 21 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 steals. 3 turnovers, which is more than any player on the Clippers. 7 for 16, so under 50%. It just wasn't a very good game for him, especially with that last possession. But listen, Clipper Nation, I just want to say this before we end. We've been here before, um, but it doesn't make it any easier. I don't really know what to say. If Paul George is done... For the season, then we're done for the season in terms of championship chances. At that point, it becomes 2021 again and just, just you know, hope for the best. We believe Clippers. Hopefully Kawhi has some heroics before we bounce out in whatever round we do. That's not uh, pessimistic. That's just the truth. I mean, name me a team that's won a championship in an entire playoff run without one of their max players or top two players. just doesn't work like that. Um, prayers to Paul. Um, everybody start praying for him in the comments. I just, it's been such a frustrating season either way from the start. It hasn't been very enjoyable. It really hasn't. I've called it the most frustrating season of my fandom. Not the worst because we still have a good team, but the most frustrating. This just, I don't know. Sometimes it just feels like the Clippers the basketball gods just don't want to see us win. I don't believe in the curse if we broke past the second round. As Blake Griffin once said, the curse was never about the second round before, but it became that. 
and we'll always change what the curse means, but we'll break through each one. It's not a curse, but the bad luck is just unprecedented. We got the most loyal fans in the league. I always say that because of moments like these. We're second-class citizens in our city as it is. When we lose, it's 10 times worse as a result. We're heavy minorities. And we just get bad luck time and time again. But for all those that stick through it year after year, dreaming that one day this team will win a chip, I feel for you. I feel for you very, 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 very much. Most loyal fans in the damn world. Stay together, Clipper Nation. Stay strong. Paul George, we wish you the best, man. We wish you the best. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers your first listen today. Now make your second listen game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game-to-Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. You can subscribe to my own YouTube channel, DimeDropper, for more Clipper content. Comment on today's pin question on Locked On Clippers after you subscribe and hit the notification bell if you haven't. And let me know how long do you think PG is going to be out. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers. I love you guys.